Let's begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, really, truly present here in the Blessed Sacrament with us, we believe in you. Please increase our faith, Lord. And tonight we hope in you. We hope for an encounter with you, Jesus. An encounter of faith and hope and love. An encounter that will transform us, that will heal us, that will strengthen us, that will console us. We want to entrust this evening of reflection and adoration and praise and worship to our Heavenly Mother, to her Immaculate Heart, and we crown her the Queen of our evening as we pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So tonight I wanted to talk about God's desire to make us his sons and daughters. So we're going to talk about adoption, divine adoption. It's a way of speaking of God's love for us and what he has done for us. But we could even remember it by the five fingers on our hands. God wants to adopt me. You could say it that way. God wants to adopt me. God has adopted me. He has made me his son. He has made me his daughter. God wants me to be his son. God wants me to be his daughter. That's a pretty amazing truth. And tonight we want to appreciate that a little bit more. As we are now in Advent, we are preparing for Christ's birth. We are preparing to celebrate Christmas. And the fact that he became a man, the fact that he became the son of Mary, that he became a child, says so much to us. That he came to reveal to us the love of the Father. And he came to reconcile us with his Father. He came to make us sons and daughters in himself, the Son, through the power of the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us, as we will read more tonight. So I've got five scripture passages that I want to read and reflect on. The first one is from the Christmas morning mass, St. John's Gospel, chapter 1. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I am going to read uh, at least these first 18 verses, I think. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now it's Word with a capital W. The Greek word is logos. And in Greek, logos meant so much more than just a word, as we understand word. It really meant the the force behind the universe, the, the intelligent design and force and 
and, and foundation of the universe. So that, that word is what we're talking about. The eternal word. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came for testimony, to bear witness to the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness to the light. The true light that enlightens every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world knew him not. He came to his own home, his own people, and his own people received him not. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. We have beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten Son from the Father. John bore witness to him and cried, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, for he was before me. And from his fullness have we all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father. He has made him known. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father. He has made Him known. He has revealed Him to us. It's one of the reasons why Jesus came. Why He became flesh. Why He became a man. Was to show us the human face, if you will, of the Father. To reveal the Father's love. And at the same time, to make us sons and daughters in Himself. The Father sent the Son to accomplish this, this work, this mission. See, sin separated us from God. We can't forget that. Original sin became an obstacle to intimacy with God. So God wanted to rectify that, but only He could really rectify it. Only he could justify us. Only he could make us right with himself. We couldn't do that by ourselves. He had to take the initiative. And that's exactly what he did. And that's why Christmas is such a great celebration. Because it marks the birth of the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One who was coming into the world to save us, to redeem us, to reconcile us with the Father, our Father. And so Jesus 
was coming to give us power to become children of God. And the only condition there is that we believe. We believe that he is the one who has the power and the authority to make us children of God. To make us a new creation in the order of grace. The order of nature as God first created it was not completely destroyed, but was damaged. Damaged beyond repair, as I just said. At least beyond anything we could do. So then it took the divine initiative to repair the damage and to reconcile us. Let's go to Galatians, because in Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 4, Paul highlights this. He says, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, heir, H-E-I-R, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no better than a slave, though he is the owner of all the estate. But he is under guardians and trustees until the date set by the father. So with us, when we were children, we were slaves to the elemental spirits of the universe, referring to the law and the spirit of the law. But when the time had fully come, or in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So through God, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir. But if you notice, Paul is very quick to point out that it was God who did these things. God did these things for you and for me. God wanted to do these things for you and for me. It's important that we just let that wash over us and sink in. Because that helps our relationship with God. If we think that we have to do things in order to be right with God and in order to approach God, in order to have a friendship with God, if we think the burden is always on us, we're not going to have a very good relationship. We're always going to be afraid that we haven't done enough. But God doesn't want us to be afraid as we approach him. He wants us to be drawn to him because of what he has already done for us. God sent forth his son. God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. You see that? We can't miss that. It's too important. So through God, 
Not through any works of your own, but through God. You are no longer a slave, but a son, a daughter. And if a son, then an heir. So God has already prepared your inheritance. He's already given you a great portion in giving you the Holy Spirit, in bringing about this adoption, which happened at your baptism. When you were baptized, you already received this gift, this inheritance. And I think most of you were probably baptized before you could speak, right? So you were given this gift not because of anything you did, but because God wanted it for you. And your parents, presumably, and godparents, wanted it for you. It's one of the first things that the priest asks of them. What do you want for your child? Baptism. And what they're saying only echoes what God the Father wants for all of us to be baptized, to be plunged. That's what baptized means. To be plunged into the very life of God. To share in His life. That's what God wants for all of us. Let's bounce back to Luke's Gospel. Chapter 11, verses 1 and following. He, Jesus, was praying in a certain place. And when He ceased, one of His disciples said to Him, Lord, Teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And then he goes on in verse 9. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So Jesus is trying to paint a picture, a favorable picture of His Father, of our Father. When He was asked, teach us to pray, what did He teach? He taught us to call God our Father. So God wants us, God himself wants us to have this kind of relationship, this kind of filial relationship with him. To have this experience of filial affection. The affection between a loving father and a child, a beloved child. God wants us to experience that affection that warmth, that tenderness 
that care. God wants us to experience that. If he didn't want us to experience that, he wouldn't have taught us to pray that way. He wouldn't have given us the Holy Spirit. But he did. He did. Believe it or not, he did. And tonight we're cultivating that faith. We're cultivating our awareness of these gifts. We're cultivating our awareness of God's presence, His real presence, His word, His truth, His goodness, His beauty. Our senses, not only our exterior senses, but our interior senses. You know, if we have eyes to see and ears to hear, we also have interior senses to see and to hear the face of God, the voice of God. That's our conscience. That's our imagination that God also gave us. These interior senses that Pope Benedict would say we often ignore. We don't necessarily pay attention to cultivating these interior senses. But this time of Advent is a perfect time to cultivate a greater awareness with our inner senses, the presence of God, the voice of God. And I have no doubt that because you've made the effort to come here tonight, he will speak to you. He is speaking to you you will be more aware of his presence here tonight. He will make his presence felt to you. He will show you his face. And so you can close your eyes and say, Lord, open the eyes of my heart. Sanctify my imagination. Help me to see your face. Smiling at me. Embracing me. Loving on me. Help me to hear your voice speaking to my heart leading me and guiding me, inspiring me, reminding me of who I am. Speaking of that, let's jump to John's first letter, 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and following. John writes, See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. In fact, so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. He's like, this is what we've become. It does not yet appear what we shall be in heaven. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. That's another way of saying cultivating this awareness of our identity, of God's presence, of the love of God, 
of our mission to be joyful missionary disciples after having had an encounter with the living God. May we all be able to say this more and more. I love to be loved by you, Lord. I love to be loved by you. Because as you love on me, and as you remind me of who I am, and why I'm here, and where I come from, and where I'm going, and the inheritance that you have stored up for me in the Father's house, I can't keep it to myself. i got to share this good news with my brothers and sisters around me who seem so broken and confused and hopeless and helpless. But I've had, I know more. And hopefully after tonight, you will know more. You know better. And not just know intellectually know, but experientially speaking. We will have a certain knowledge tonight that is deeper of God's love and mercy. To close, we'll go back to Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8, verses 12 and following. So then, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of sonship. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is the Spirit himself bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. What Paul is saying there is that his love, God's love for us, demands a response. His love demands a response. A response of faith, but not just a faith without works, but a faith that is willing to walk with the Lord, to follow him, as Jesus said, to pick up your cross and to follow him. But not alone, but with him. With him. So I think there's a little distinction to be made there. A friend of mine is quick to point out the difference between just offering it up and suffering with. If Jesus became a man, it's because not only did he want to suffer for us, but he wanted to suffer with us. He wanted to accompany us. He wanted to walk with us. He wanted to be our friend, our companion, our brother on the way to the Father's house. As he said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way to the Father. The Father and I are one. I'm telling you the truth. And if you heed this truth, you will have life. I will give you life, eternal life. 
But that eternal life is all about a relationship with God that starts here and now. So we can get a little foretaste of heaven. And I think every time we come before the Lord, He's offering us a foretaste of heaven. He's offering us this friendship, this relationship, this intimacy with Him. He's offering us the Holy Spirit, the very love, if you will, that unites Jesus with the Father. And in that bosom of the Father where Jesus rests and rejoices, we too are invited to find rest and to rejoice in the Father's love. So how about together, as we close here tonight, we pray in the words that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen.